Hello, this is Donna Reich, author of Character Quality Language Arts and Meaningful Composition. Also, co-author of Character Inc. blog, Raising Kids with Character, Parenting Seminar, and much more. Today, on this Wondering Wednesday podcast episode, I would like to answer some questions regarding efficiency. Specifically, I would like to talk about the foundations for becoming an efficiency expert. Next weekend at the local homeschool expo, Fort Wayne Area Homeschools Expo and Curriculum Fair, I will be giving a workshop entitled, How to Become an Efficiency Expert in Your Home. We often get asked about efficiency, getting things done, organization, scheduling, and those types of things because of our 30 years in homeschooling and because of the volume of curriculum that I've written over the last 15 years. So next weekend in my workshop, I will be covering lots of aspects of becoming an efficiency expert of sorts. But in this podcast episode, I want to answer the question concerning the foundations of it. Because you can learn a lot of organizational techniques. I can give you a dozen or two dozen efficiency organization, cleaning, productivity, procrastination tips right now off the top of my head. But unless you have the foundation for becoming an efficiency expert, three things that I feel are foundational to having a shot at becoming very, very efficient, a lot of tips and tricks won't help you so much. So I'm going to be presenting you with what I see as three foundational aspects to becoming an efficiency expert. But before I do, in order to elaborate on the first one, I would like to present you with an extremely interesting proposition that the award-winning author Malcolm Gladwell writes about in his book, Outliers. His book talks about how there are 10,000 hours needed to achieve mastery in any subject. That is, he purports that you need to work 10,000 hours practicing, studying, delving into a particular area in order to become an expert on that area. I would like to elaborate on his research just a little bit in the beginning of this podcast episode because it has so many implications for homeschooling, for parenting, and for becoming an efficiency expert. The research that he explained was done in the 1990s by psychologists in Berlin, Germany. In this study, these psychologists studied violin students who began playing the violin at age five. They followed these violinists through childhood, adolescence, and adulthood to see what truly makes great violinists. That is, to see what truly makes a person an expert, what makes a person become elite in their area. The study all began with children of the same age. It did not take into account their parents' skills, their family musical abilities, the child's aptitude. 
It just simply studied a group of people who began playing the violin at age five. So everybody was on level playing ground when the study began. And everybody pretty much followed the same path for the first three years. That is, they all took violin lessons. I assume it was, you know, the typical one-a-week lesson. And then they came home and practiced what would be appropriate for a five-year-old violinist, six-year-old violinist, um, each week. But at age eight, the group began to diverge. One part of the group began picking up its pace in practicing, practicing four hours a week and then six hours a week, eight hours a week, and so forth as that group of children grew up. The next group, the second half, stayed the same. That is a typical violin lesson and X number of practice hours that are appropriate for a normal child studying an uh, instrument. What came out of the study was truly revolutionary for those who want to become excellent in something. That is, by age 20, the group that took its practice more seriously, upped its game at age 8, started, you know, maybe went from 2 hours to 4 hours, and then 10, 6 hours, then 12, 8 hours, and then through high school, really had no other interests, probably did not hold down a part-time job, possibly didn't even go to school full-time, and practiced more along the lines of 12, 16, 18, 20 hours a week. By age 20, those elite ones had practiced 10,000 total hours from the beginning of each child's violin study up to age 20. The second group, the ones who did normal practice times, practiced 4,000 total hours. And how these psychologists looked at this study and the results really are remarkable. The group that got in the 10,000 practice hours over that 12-year or 15-year period, I guess, if you start at age 5, the, the divergence happened at age 8. But the group that practiced the 10,000 hours over that time period became the best of the best. They became elite violinists. That is, they became accomplished experts in their field and were champions, so to speak. The group that practiced 4,000 total hours became average violinists. They did not move up to become elite violinists. They were not the top of their class. They were not the top of their game. They were not famous. Um, they were not experts, so to speak. Now, a lot can be said for this. For one thing, a person could say, well, of course, that per the group practiced more. They got better. And that is true. They're, that's the underlying aspect of this. But what is really remarkable is that the 4,000-hour practice group had no violinist that rose to elite status. That is, nobody in the 4,000 hours of practice became top of the top, top of the game, elite, experts. They, In other words, they did not cross over into the ranks of the 10,000-hour practice students through talent only. They didn't, they weren't especially talented with 4,000 practice hours, so they automatically moved over to the elite group, 
without any additional practice. The 10,000 hour practice group, none of those were not elite. In other words, the 10,000 hours and the 4,000 hours, those two factors were the only things that made the violinist either excellent, outstanding, elite, or average. Nobody in the 4,000 group became elite just because they were overly talented, and nobody in the 10,000 group was average because they weren't quite so talented and the practice really didn't come to fruition for them. So Gladwell came up with the idea that it takes 10,000 hours to achieve mastery in any area. That talent doesn't really have come into play in moving a lesser practiced person up. Or lack of talent doesn't really come into play in moving a 10,000 hour practice person down. In other words, it truly is a 10,000 hour mastery number. Now, this has so many implications. I just, I love this study. For one thing, it gives me hope that I have close to 10,000 hours in a couple of different areas. And I just think, wow, I am so close to mastery. Now, I'm not going to be an elitist in my, in my group because I think that there are always other factors. But what this tells us is that for our children, if we see a special talent emerging... I'm thinking specifically of a couple of violinists who are young adults and a pianist who I know who is a young adult who they were homeschooled. So they carved out hour upon hour upon hour and they are very close to their 10,000 hours and they are on their way to elite groups of practice. So for us as parents, if we see something particularly outstanding in our child, we can help that child achieve those 10,000 hours to mastery if that's where our goals are for our child and if that's what we want our child to head towards and if that's what that child wants to head towards. Now for us as just general adults, just not even talking about homeschooling or parenting or efficiency expert, we can, we can see how, for example, I've often heard people say, I want to take my children to a pediatrician because they see children all the time. I don't want to necessarily take my child to a family practitioner because they do not have experience every hour of every day with adolescent and child medical scenarios. What that person is really saying is the pediatrician has more hours to achieve mastery with children than another kind of doctor does. We see this all the time. We just don't really put numbers with it. So as far as general adults, this tells us that If we want something and we feel a bent towards that, like we really know, you know, language arts, editing, writing, that's my gift. I can really make a go of that. Then we need to put in the hours to see that happen. And likewise, we can assume that for the most part, just because we're especially gifted in something, if we don't put in the time, it probably is not going to come to fruition. Now, applications that I would like to share from my own life to this and how it applies to becoming an efficiency expert is that when I was first married 34 years ago, um, I did tons of stuff. I wanted to do it all. 
I wanted to parent well. I wanted to write. I wanted to speak. I wanted to serve and help others. I wanted to manage my home. I wanted to cook homemade. I wanted to spend lots of time in my marriage. I had a lot of interests. Then I had a lot of sub-interests because I was always like off on tangents. Like, you know, I can make my own felts and have and do it myself. You know, make felts for my children to, to learn with. I can make my own audios. I used to record myself reading books to my children. I just, I went out into a lot of different areas because I wanted to do it all. And I was the kind of person who just loved doing and had a tad bit of workaholic tendencies in there. Anyway, so in the first 15 years, um, I tried to do it all, but I gradually learned that I couldn't do it all and do it all well. So I narrowed down my focus to parenting, homeschooling, and homemaking, home management. And I, while I didn't become an expert in any of these, I did get fairly good at teaching, at homeschooling, and eventually even at parenting. I realized when my little boys came along how much better I was at parenting during the preschool years than I had been with my older kids because I had more hours of parenting under my belt. So while I wasn't, you know, this beautifying presentation cook, I wasn't this do-it-yourself, you know, gorgeous homemaker, better, better homes and garden kind of person, I was getting pretty good at the things that I spent so much time in, parenting, time and time and time. I mean, my husband and I have probably spent more time in parenting than almost anybody I know because it was such a priority to us. We never shoved it off. We never put it on the back burner. We never, you know, waited for time to go by. We dug in and parented. Same thing with homeschooling. Just really dug into homeschooling from the beginning. And with home management, that kind of became, um, a, you know, more of a, a need than anything else as we had more children since we have seven children 16 to 32. Now, the last 15 years, I have really zeroed in my time into writing both curriculum and writing for parents, as well as editing. That's one area. Teaching, homeschooling, tutoring, another area. Parenting, I continued with that. And home management, continuing with that. Being organizing the home, putting systems in place, overseeing chores cooking, organizing my freezer systems, my cooking systems, my meal planning systems, and things like that. Now, the last 15 years, I have probably spent 60 hours a week on these four things. I really was able to just drop the things that I wasn't good at or things that I didn't really like as well. And and so I wasn't really a big do-it-yourselfer. I wasn't really a good beautifier. I wasn't really a big shopper. I wasn't really a uh, kind of running around with friends a lot. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I wanted to be with my kids and my husband more than I did other people, um, which it's no big deal either way, whatever anybody wants to do. But these were the areas that I zeroed in on. I probably spent 60 hours a week for the last 15 years on these four areas, probably an average of 15 hours in each area. And I worked really, really hard in those four areas. So from this... I have become not what I would call an efficiency expert, but definitely way better at efficiency than I was 30 years ago. I wanted to be an efficiency expert when I first got married. I watched that old black and white show, Cheaper by the Dozen, where the guy, the father was an efficiency expert and he had everybody's tonsils, tonsils removed, all of his children's tonsils removed in their parlor. Um, 
because it was more efficient. I didn't want to be obnoxiously efficient like he was, but I, some, that really appealed to me because I saw efficiency as a way to get more things done and as a way to do more of the things that I wanted to do in this life. So what happens when you see somebody who you consider an expert in something? Um, for example, nowadays, you see them all over the place. You see maybe a do-it-yourself blogger who has this beautifully decorated home and, you know, a quarter of a million followers on Facebook or on her blog. And you marvel at her and you say, how does she do that? I could never do that. Well, there are a couple things coming into play that have a direct influence on efficiency when you do that. When you see somebody like that and you say, I just don't see how she does that. I don't see how she has time for that. Or I don't see how she developed those skills. Or I don't see how she's so good at that. Well, there are so many things happening that we often don't realize when we say those things. The first thing that happens is that we don't realize that that person is doing that almost full time. Or at least 20 hours a week for 10 years, which gives that person 10,000 hours, which leads to mastery. So we don't realize that that person is giving a huge chunk of time to do that. That person is probably not parenting the way you do, or possibly maybe not at all. Maybe she doesn't even have children, or maybe parenting is just not like a huge, huge thing to her. Um, or maybe she gives fewer hours to it than you do. If you're a homeschooler, that person who's working 20 to 30, 40 hours a week on do-it-yourself blogging and do-it-yourselfing in the home is probably not a homeschooler. And a host of other things that that person is not doing that you are doing. So the first thing that we can see from this is that when we see somebody doing something that we think is so fantastic, we have to realize that that person is not adding that on to what you are doing. More than likely, you don't have 20 hours a week or 30 hours a week to add on to what you are already doing in your life. And so, yes, while you should marvel at her because she's done a, a phenomenal thing, she's disciplined herself to put 20 or 30 hours a week into something she believes in. She is talented. She is probably good at organizing and prioritizing and efficiency to get a lot done in general, but she's not adding that on to what you're already doing more than likely. Secondly, she is putting in the hours to become an expert at that. If we try to do something part-time, adding it on to what we're already doing, we're probably not going to become an expert in it because there's not enough hours devoted to become an expert in that. Usually when somebody becomes an expert in something, it is because that person has devoted either 20 hours a week for 10 years or 10 hours a week for 20 years. In other words, usually that person has 10,000 hours of practice of working in that field or in that area in total overall. And that is what makes that person stand out. And so when it comes to the three areas that are foundational to becoming an efficiency expert, the first thing that I would present to you is to focus on your areas of expertise and not do so many other things. This goes back to prioritizing, and I hope that you'll check out some of my blog posts. I have a lot about prioritizing and organizing. I have a complete 
three-hour workshop on nothing but prioritizing, organizing, and scheduling your life homeschool for homeschoolers specifically. But at the blog, I have just a lot of general prioritizing material. And whatever you want to be really, really good at, let's take, for example, applying this to parenting. If you want to become really, really, really good at parenting, I have a few recommendations for you. The first thing is to practice, practice, practice. That is, don't shy away from problems with your children. Don't shy away from trying to fix things. Don't put things on the back burner. Don't hope that things will get better. Don't hope that somebody will grow out of something. Tackle it. Dig in. Parent. Parent all the time. Because you will get better and better and better at parenting. And 10 years from now, you'll look back and say, wow, I have skills to solve this problem or that problem. I can remember when that first happened with me, with my little boys, like I mentioned before, in their preschool years. I look back after having parented four children through the babies, toddlers, and preschool years. And I realized that with my first little boy, Jonathan, and then with Josiah, I was getting a lot better at this thing. And I liked it. I really liked parenting babies, toddlers, and preschoolers. I wasn't always questioning myself. I wasn't always second-guessing. I didn't always feel like a failure <laughs> because I had had so many hours of practice with my older kids. And I, we, my husband and I did not shy away from things with our older kids. We dug in and parented. So the first thing, to applying this to parenting specifically, and I really am going to get to efficiency expert Uh, specifically in a minute, but applying this to parenting, the first thing is to dig in and parent. The second thing is to study and learn and grow as a parent. Now, my recommendation, first of all, would be to learn from somebody who already has their 10,000 hours in. Doesn't that make sense that you would seek out people who already have their expertise almost in place or totally in place. I don't really know that anybody ever becomes a parenting expert. (laughs) It's not quite like violining or um, hockey or computer science or some of the other things that uh, Gladwell talks about in Outliers. Um, But you can become much better. So let's just put it that way. So learn from people, books, websites, blogs, who have had their 10,000 hours in. I recently um, heard a gal say, and this was encouraging to me, and it was just an interesting uh, observation. I have three friends, and the four of us together have homeschooled for over 100 years combined. Boy, does that ever make us sound old. When you put all of our years of homeschooling together, we have over 100 years of homeschooling experience under our belts. So we decided, after field tripping and homeschooling together and parenting together for many, many, many years, over 20 years, we decided that we would call ourselves the Century Sisters, and we've been doing some local gigs, as I like to call them, where we have a little panel and we uh, speak to homeschool groups. It's really been a lot of fun, just the Century Sisters, ask the Century Sisters, that kind of thing. Well, I recently heard of a gal who told her husband, why would I not try to learn everything I can, try to glean from, try to apply many of the things that I hear the Century Sisters say when they've already done all of this? And they've already had experiences in all of this. And they have children who graduate from homeschooling, who are upstanding citizens, character-filled adults, Christian spouses, and so forth. And that was encouraging to me because I always like to hear that somebody is learning 
from somebody with experience because I really think, you know, you can learn how to decorate your nursery and you can learn how to make a sand and water table from anybody. But when it comes to something like as important as Christian parenting, I was really encouraged to hear this gal say that because I really think it's important to learn from people who have experience. So seek out people, no matter who they might be, who have their 10,000 hours of experience in parenting, home management, those type of things, homeschooling if you're a homeschooler, and learn from those people. So back to our efficiency expert, focus on your areas of expertise. So if you want to become an efficiency expert, focus on, in your home, focus on home management, focus on developing organizational systems, focus on learning how to get more done, focus on learning how to do things easier. Focus on having less complications and less stuff, fewer complications and less stuff. My English teacher coming out there in me, sorry. Focus on developing freezer systems, meal meal systems, home management systems, chore charts, those kind of things. Because as you do those things and you get your hours under your belt, you're going to become better and better and better at it. I look back when I was first married and I wanted to become an efficiency expert. And I remember just going throughout the day and I dabbled in so many things that I wanted to do. But I never really felt that great at any of them. But if you focus on your areas, either putting in 20 hours a week for the next 10 years or 10 hours a week for the next 20 years in whatever you want to become great at, you will become better and better at it. So with this number one foundation for becoming an efficiency expert, focus on your areas of expertise and don't try to do so many other things. Now, I know the temptation is to try so many things, but I I think that what this study shows us is that the people who focus on fewer things, fewer areas, but put more time into those fewer areas become better and better at them. It's like that saying, what is it, jack of all trades but expert in none? When we just do so many things, we don't become really, really good at any one thing. So focus on your areas of expertise or the things that you want your areas of expertise to be, the things that you um, feel that you could excel in. Just a little side note here, I chose to focus on number one, the things that I knew I wanted to or had to do first and foremost, and that was parenting and homeschooling. Secondly, I focused on the things that I had natural talents in. Well, home management kind of was part of the first one because I needed to, but I also saw that I had a lot of skills in organization. I just was kind of spread too thin and I didn't, and I couldn't really excel in it as well. So the first thing was, first thing is to focus on what you really need to do. I mean, that's always the priority. Always find that thing or two or three that your life should really be about and dig in with everything you've got. And then the second thing to choosing your areas of expertise is to see what you have bents in or what you have talents in or what you have skills in or how you can benefit your family in the case of needing to bring in income. So with those two things in mind, you'll narrow it down to priorities, of course. I hesitate to say this because it sounds extremely humanistic, but I think that life is more of a mathematical equation than we sometimes realize. Now, 
I'm not taking spirituality or our Christianity or faith out, out of the picture, but life and prioritizing and time, those things are a lot like money. It's mathematical. And I don't think we look at it that way. I think sometimes we feel like, you know, whatever happens, happens, and I really can't control, you know, how things turn out. Everything's just kind of coming at me, and I can't really do anything about it. I think if we sit down and say, mathematically, that is, 24 hours in every day, 60, 70, 80, 90 hours a week that I'm not sleeping, that I have, where do I want to spend it? that that will help us really focus in on our areas of expertise. So if your area of expertise is becoming an efficiency expert, um, keep listening. The second foundation for becoming an efficiency expert is to drop, drop perfectionism. I learned this a long time ago, but it was easy for me because I wasn't a perfectionist. So it wasn't hard for me to, to realize, you know what? I don't have it in me. I don't have it in me to be perfect at anything. I'm not a great finisher as far as beautification. I am really, really savvy in the kitchen. I can come up with recipes. I can come up with meal plans. I could be at the grocery, look around at what's on sale, and freezer cook the next day 30 meals. I mean, I'm pretty savvy at that. But if it came to presenting it, it would not look good. (laughs) I don't set a beautiful table. I don't beautify. That's just not me. I'm not a finisher in that regard. So it wasn't hard for me to give up perfectionism early in my adult years because I knew that I wasn't a perfectionist and I wasn't that type of person who had to have everything just so. Now, I have a lot on the blog and we have a lot in a couple of our workshops, including our parenting workshop, our parenting seminar, Raising Kids with Character, about perfectionism and the need to drop it. Right now, this is specifically pertaining to efficiency, that A person, when you see a person who is a perfectionist, that person is seldom efficient because it's just too hard. It's it's just impossible. And so there's not a lot of speed in the perfectionism and there's not a lot of completion, you know, just bringing a lot of projects to an end because perfectionism can really just paralyze us. But just as a side note, besides becoming an efficiency expert, perfectionism can really, really be detrimental in parenting. I just beg parents to try to drop perfectionism when it comes to parenting because it can be so harmful to children who never feel like they're measuring up, who can never please their parents, you, who, whose parents have a very difficult time having a good relationship with the child because the child is always on the defensive, always ready for you to not like something that he does. Always ready for you to not think that he's good enough in something. So that's a side note, and I feel very passionate about that. So check out some of that stuff on my blog. Um, But for organization, becoming an efficiency expert, you just don't move fast enough. You just don't get enough accomplished to become truly efficient when you have too many perfectionistic tendencies. I like what Get Organized Wizard the Get Organized Wizard has to say about this. She talks about mantras. Um, you can check her out on the web. She's an invaluable resource for becoming organized. But again, only once you have the foundations for efficiency down and only after you have your priorities in order. Because, like I said, all the systems in the world won't help you if you don't have those things down. But she has a mantra, move fast, 
Don't overthink. Let it go. And that's truly what it takes to become an efficiency expert. Um, and that is involve, that involves both of these first two points. Focus on your areas of expertise. Drop the other things. Don't do so many other things. And then drop perfectionism. All right. The third one kind of seems like an obvious foundation for becoming an efficiency expert. But I want to elaborate on it some more um, And I want to make us really think about what it means to work hard. The third foundation for becoming an efficiency expert is to work hard. Now, all of us think we work hard. And I would never judge you and say you're not working hard. But I want you to evaluate yourself to see how whether you're really working hard or whether it just feels like you're working hard. I just recently did a blog post on having patience with children and one of the very one of the tips was to not overschedule. When we overschedule, parenting aside, I cannot stop talking about parenting no matter what, can I? But parenting aside, when we overschedule, we rush. When we rush, we think we're working harder than we really are. Because we're constantly chasing our tails. We're always just rushing, 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 rushing. Finish this, do this. There are too many things I can't do them all. There are too many things I can't do them all. And So we consequently think when we hear somebody talk about efficiency, I can't do anything else. I'm working as hard as I humanly can. And overscheduling and rushing can really make us feel that we really can't work any harder. But let me elaborate on this a little bit and help you to see whether you're working as hard as you can or as smart as you can or whether it's a lot of that chasing that makes you feel like you're working so hard, but maybe not accomplishing as much as you really could. In our first, my first 15 years of marriage, as I talked about a little bit ago, I worked super hard. I kind of had this mindset, even when I only had preschoolers and babies and toddlers, that it wasn't fair for my husband to go to work each day. And he worked 12 to 14 hours a day. So uh, that was a whole, that was another whole uh, matter because we, he was in the automotive industry and it was just, it was really, really hard. And, um, he worked long hours and, but when he came home, he was all ours. So I'm not complaining about him specifically, but he was gone a lot, a long, long, a lot of hours, which made me work a lot of hours. But I had this thing where if my husband was going to go out and work that hard all day, every day for us, then it wasn't right for me to stay home and not work hard. And I, I really think that stay-at-home moms in general, if you have, if you're homeschooling a lot of children and you have preschoolers and babies and toddlers, you don't even need to hear this. So just fast forward because there's no way you're not working hard. But when I had babies, toddlers, and preschoolers, I wanted to work hard. I wanted to work long. I wanted to work hard because I felt like I owed it to my husband. He was allowing me to not work so that I could manage my home, raise our children all day long, homeschool, and so forth. And while, you know, we started out on a very meager salary, and and he wasn't the only one. I made a choice to stay home and to have a lot less, tons, tons less. I mean, we have such a modest home. We have very, you know, subpar vehicles. We don't have electronics. You know, I mean, I've grown to not really care about those things because I want to, because this is the life I wanted and that's okay. But I wanted to work hard 
so that when my husband was gone, I was doing what I needed to do for our family. So I worked really, really hard. Even those first 15 years before I really found out how to become more efficient, I worked really, really hard. But I didn't have enough hours under my belt to become truly efficient. I look back now and I think, wow, I wasted a lot of time on this. Um, I wasted a lot of time on that. I wasted a lot of time, all the time I was working, but I just wasn't maybe being as efficient as I could. I didn't have some systems in place. One example of this that I'll just give here, because this is getting really long, is, um, is that of my children's clothing. Because we only had one income, we didn't shop at stores a lot. And so I had tubs and I had them all labeled with, you know, 4T summer, 4T winter, and so on and so forth. And I had dozens of these things. And I would go to garage sales and I would take what people gave us. And sometimes I would go to Goodwill and I would shop and then I would come home, wash, fold, gather, put them in the right tubs and so on and so forth. Well, now that I look back, I wouldn't have done that if I had known what I know now today. In the last 10 years, or maybe, well, probably only the last five years, I've come to realize, in part I did that because I wanted my girls to have a lot of cute clothes, and I wanted to dress them really cute, and they were just darling. But in part I did that because I thought that that was the best way to get our wardrobes. And as it turns out, I spent a lot of time garage sailing, a lot of money buying things and bringing more things into the house, and a lot of time on the system, that whole system that I had in place. The last five years or so, I've come to find out, you know what? Let's take the boys to Sam's. Let's get them one pair of khakis, two pairs of jeans, two pairs of shorts, two button downs, two polos, and be done with it. And I spend a lot less money on clothing now than I did then per child just because of of the system that I had then. So I worked really hard those first 15 years, but I didn't, didn't necessarily know how to work that smart. So I wasn't as efficient. These last 15 years, I realized how much I've learned in efficiency and how much more I get done. And it is because of all that hard work that I had under my belt that I've learned to get a lot more done. So when I say work hard, that sounds very vague. And if you've heard us speak at all or you've read our blog, you know that I do not believe in vague objectives. I do not believe in vague goals. Like, you know, in the new year, spend more family time. That won't work. Check out my New Year's uh, blog posts. Um, So I recommend two things to check your hard work status. The first thing is a to-do list. And I'm going to talk about that next week in my Efficiency Expert Tips uh, audio podcast episode. But that to-do list is the first thing. And the second thing is a stopwatch. Because I recommend this twofold process. And we've done the same thing with our children. And you can use the same thing with tweens and teens to teach them time management. Um, And that is that if we only have a to-do list, we can get discouraged, mark some things off, and then just give up. If we only have a stopwatch, we cannot be as efficient without a to-do list to actually coincide with. So I have a little mathematical equation here for you, my to-do list plus my stopwatch. This means tasks plus time equals efficiency. Tasks plus time equals efficiency. The to-do list alone can be misleading because it depends on how you group your 
uh, projects and how you'd group your lists of things to do. Or you can give up altogether because maybe you put in what you feel like is a lot of time, but you didn't accomplish everything you wanted to. Also, maybe you made this list and you didn't accomplish it because you have unrealistic expectations. That's, that was one of my problems, which is why I had to add the time. If you just time yourself, I'm going to work really hard today. I'm going to work all afternoon from 1 to 4 on this, whatever this might be. You can get discouraged because time can overtake you and you, don't, and you feel like you worked really hard, but you don't have as much fruit as you want to from that. So your to-do list helps with that. Now, I'm going to apply this to kids because I can't help it before I, hang, before I get off of here. Um, and that is with our children, we help them make a school list, chore list, Morning routine list, school list, chore list, and then school list. Um, join me next week and look some of that stuff up on my blog. I have lots of posts about all of that. And then we also had them time themselves in various areas. So they learn time management. So, for example, I've had kids who say, my math takes two hours. I can't get it all done, da 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 So we break it down. Okay, let's first of all time the instructional portion. He uses a, a video program. Let's first of all time the instructional portion. Okay, now let's time you doing the problem practice set. I can't I always get those mixed up. Let's time you doing the practice set. Write that down. Okay, now let's time you doing the problem set. Do this a few times. See how long it takes. You're doing tasks plus time equals success or tasks plus time equals efficiency. It helps children to see that something doesn't really take as long as they think it does, but it also helps you to see how much time you should allot for things for them, and it also helps them to plan better. I, we use this to help our teenagers plan their days, to help them plan all kinds of things. It's just a really good way to teach tweens and teens. It's also a good way for us. So three foundational aspects of becoming an efficiency expert. Focus on your areas of expertise and get your hours under your belt. With that, drop some other things, prioritize, don't try to do so many things. Be an expert in a couple of things and not a jack of all trades. Second, drop perfectionism. And thirdly, work hard. Work measurably hard and see if you if your efficiency and your hard work, your prioritizing and your dropping of perfectionism helps you become an efficiency expert. Thanks again for listening. This has been Donna Reesh with Character Inc. Foundations for Becoming an Efficiency Expert on this Wondering Wednesday podcast episode. Be sure to join us in the future. Send us questions that we can do a podcast episode about. Like us on Facebook. Call us and schedule a parenting seminar in your church or community, Raising Kids with Character. Send our information. We have it on the blog under Speaking and Workshops. Send that uh, link to your homeschool workshop uh, convention organizers, and hopefully we'll see you around. Thanks.